Hey, Love folks, is that you? Radio. <laughs> Child Abuse Now show. This is scan number 3,115. 3,115. I'm so happy to be here tonight. I'm Carol Levine. I'm Vice President of NASCA. And we have a really, really uh, good, good guest here. Her name is uh, Donna Bolotowicz. And um, we have a couple people here. And Bill is here also. He's working. Um, uh, but we do have Lori from New York, a fellow New Yorker. Actually, Bill's a New Yorker also. And then there's me. And I believe that the person on the bottom here might be Philip. And uh, if that be true, that's good. I'm glad he's here. So anyway, um, I'm going to read the mission statement, okay? This is what we do, and I make sure that I always do it every time I run the show. So the people who are just listening through their computers, and we always have a lot of people doing that, um, they'll understand our mission, okay? We have a singleness of purpose at NASCA, and that is to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect. And we do so to two different ways. Number one is educating the public, especially as related to getting society over the taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse. Presenting the facts that show child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone. Number two is offering hope for healing through numerous pairs and providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. I could do a whole show on prevention, intervention, and recovery, no problem. This is one of the things that NASCA does. We provide this platform for people to come on and tell their stories. And then also, too, um, we do a lot of teaching on this show because that's what we want to do. We want society and communities and neighborhoods, um, whether it be urban or up in the sticks where I am now, where I just have to worry about bears and coyotes. And bears are sleeping right now. They better be. And, um, you know, but we have all these issues you think that you live in the country, that there's nothing bad going on, but this is not true, especially today. Um, all the stats are up, and uh, that's a shame, okay, and it's not supposed to be that way. So hopefully we'll pray for change, and maybe someday something good will happen. All right. So one, I, I guess tonight um, I'm really delighted to have her on the show 
because I've mentioned several times about the Huffington Post, how they showed the women pedophiles, okay? I'm wondering if she saw that. But um, I don't think so because she's from Montana. I don't know. But anyway, the point is um, it's uh, something that people don't take into consideration because women are supposed to be nurturing. And you look at the teachers as nurturing. And the teachers, yes, but that nurturing side is always there. But not always, okay? So this is what our guest is going to talk about tonight. And I'm really happy she is here. So, again, her name is Donna um, Bolatowicz. I said it better before. And she is from Billings, uh, Montana, Billings, Montana. And uh, I don't want to read her bio. I don't like doing that because I want people to, um, you know, tell their story their own way and in their own words. And uh, there's no pressure here. We're all laid-back survivors. That's what we are. But we are very determined to help. And we are very, very dedicated to what we do. Our telephone number is 646-595-2118 if you want to uh, be a part of this discussion. Or, yes, and you can otherwise listen to your computers. But um, whether you're listening or whether you're a part of, good. Just listen. Because she is here now and she is ready to tell her story. Go ahead. Go ahead, Donna. Hi. Thank you. Um, I'm excited to tell my story and a little nervous, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I grew up in Billings, Montana. Um, I have one sibling. I have a younger brother. He's two years younger than I, and I think the world of him. Very lucky to have the brother that I have. Um, I had wonderful parents. Um, when I grew up here, we grew up in an area of town that's known as the bad side of town, the more impoverished area. But it honestly had a better sense of community than any other neighborhood I've lived in anywhere else. Um, People watched out for each other. People helped each other. And they still have the most active community task force in the city. So still very much community-minded neighborhood, even though a lot of people in town look down on that area because people live in poverty there. And... um, We did, my parents saved money so that we could go back and visit my dad's family in Staten Island in New York uh, about every other year while I was growing up. My dad grew up there. Um, He was one of eight children. Um, He was in the Air Force and met my mom at Air Force Base in Opine, Montana, a tiny little town, and they got married and he decided to stay in Montana. Um, And then... Uh, my mom had a daycare when I was little um, at the home, so I got to stay home when I was little. And then when I went to school, I fell in love with school and learning. I was an incredibly shy child, so I didn't talk very much at first at school until my wonderful, wonderful first grade teacher found out that I wanted to be a teacher. And she talked with my parents and asked if I could maybe be her helper after school, like putting together worksheet packets and stuff for the kids so that I would get more comfortable with her and then maybe I'd start talking. And boy, did she find out when she had me one-on-one that I was a chatterbox. (laughs) But it worked. And then I started talking in school. And it was all thanks to this amazing first-grade teacher. I wanted to be just like her. Her name was Mrs. Kinsfather, and I just adore her still. Um, So through school, elementary, early elementary, I wanted to be a teacher 
lifelong, it was my dream. I played school all the time with my brother and friends. I was always a teacher. <laughs> that was one of my favorite things to play. Mm-hmm. And then in upper elementary, one year, um, the year that changed my life, we, I had a teacher who was new to the school. So I was a little nervous. My best friend had just moved um, over 300 miles away. So it was my first time attending school without my best friend by my side. And then having a new teacher made me extra nervous. But I was also hopeful because, you know, I liked teachers. I wanted to be one. But the first day was my strangest day of school that I had had up to that point. We had a small class, only 14 of us. And she had us stop outside the door to the classroom. And she introduced herself to each of us individually and shook our hands and asked our name. And I noticed that she held onto my hand longer than anybody else's. Like with everybody else, it was a quick handshake and she let go of their hands. But she held on to mine. Enough so that the girl behind me in line, when we got into the classroom, was like, ooh, our new teacher has a crush on you. And I told her, be quiet, she does not. Because, you know, I wouldn't think that a teacher would. Mm-hmm. And, and how old were you there? How old were you there when um, you started? I'm not going to say the exact age because people might figure out who this person was and she was not convicted. Oh, oh geez. So I'm just right. going okay. to say upper elementary. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, trying okay. to be careful. Yeah, I hear anyway, you. Anyway, she introduced herself to all of us after we were all situated in our desks. Mine was in the front uh, the front row because she went alphabetical by last name. So with Volatowicz, you're right in the front. And she handed out a paper, a getting to know you sheet, and asked us all to fill it out. And she'd go around and talk to us and get to know us, which is really good pedagogy for a teacher wanting to build a classroom community. But when she got to my desk, she knelt down in front of me, put her hand on mine, and said, you're the prettiest little girl I've ever seen. I pulled pulled my hand out from under hers because I did not feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. And she's like, so what else do I need to know about you other than that you're absolutely gorgeous? She just kept right on going, didn't she? Go ahead. Yeah, Mm -hmm. she did. And I just looked at her because... My words went away. I didn't know what to say. I wasn't comfortable at all. I didn't understand what was going on. It just was creeping me out. And then she put her hand on my cheek, and I pulled away from her. And she said, are you shy, my little girl? And I nodded, and then she said not to worry. She'd be back, and she went on. But I paid attention to how she interacted with the other kids, and I noticed she didn't put her hand on anyone else. Mm-hmm. When she, she came back around to our desk, she knelt by my chair and put her arm on the back of my chair, so I scooted forward, and then there was a little, like, my shirt didn't quite touch my pants in the back, and she found that little strip of skin and started stroking her fingers along it. And that time, I couldn't get away from her touch unless I, like, completely got out of my chair, which, being a, you know, shy kid, I didn't want to do and cause a scene. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of shifted and she talked to me, and I don't even remember what she said because I was just, oh, my gosh, what is happening? Right. So that she started immediately with the grooming. And 
the second day when we came in, our desks had been rearranged. Mine was now in the back corner. There was a bookcase behind me, a wall to my right, and somebody in front of me, and then someone way over to my left. But when she knelt by my my left side, nobody could see what she was doing. So when she did that, at one point that day, I was wearing shorts. She started to hem on my shorts and then slid her hand underneath the leg of my shorts and asked what it would take to get me to speak to her. And I just looked at her because I was freaking out. Did not talk to her. And she walked away and then went to her desk and got a sticker. Um, She noticed that I collected stickers. I had a sticker book at school. And she dropped it on my desk and told me it was for being such a good little girl. And I just left that there because it didn't feel right. I don't remember what we were working on or anything. I just remember not wanting it. And then she came over and she pouted because I wasn't taking the sticker from her. So then I felt guilty and took it. Then she kept me in from recess to ask me why I wasn't talking to her. She said all the other kids loved the individual attention and were chattering away at her, but I wasn't saying anything, and I was making her feel really sad and hurt. So then I felt bad because I was also a very sensitive kid, and I went a little closer to her, and she just grabbed me in a big hug and would not let me go. She finally pulled me into her lap, and I slid off it immediately and ran out to recess. By then, I'm just wondering what on earth is going on with this person because nobody had ever done anything like that before. I did not understand. I just knew I did not feel comfortable around her and didn't really want to be around her. And it made me super nervous to go back to school the next day where she escalated things, because they always do. Um, I was wearing a skirt that day, and she flipped it up in the hall. She told me she was getting a lint off my skirt when I turned around. And then she told me I shouldn't be embarrassed because she's seen panties before she even wears them. And I shouldn't be embarrassed because she's a girl, too. And then later that day, she kept me in from recess and told me that when she had taken lint off my skirt she noticed that some elastic on my underwear was loose and she said she didn't want me to lose my panties on the playground so she asked if she could check and make sure that everything was okay and you know little kid I'm thinking oh my god my classmates might see my underwear you know horrifying so I said yes and so she lifted up and she stuck her hand inside my underwear and I jumped back and she told me that um, she could fix it for me. She had a sewing kit, but I'd have to take off my underwear so she could fix the elastic. I told her my mom would, and I bolted from the room. She followed me out to the playground, apologized, and said she just hadn't wanted me to be embarrassed because she thought of me as her little girl. Um, And then later that day in P.E., we were supposed to climb up a rope, and I didn't want to because I was wearing a skirt with nothing under it um, other than my underwear. Yeah. And the gym teacher said that I would fail if I didn't climb that rope. So I started crying, 
and he told me to sit down and shut up. So I sat down against the wall, and I don't know if one of my classmates went to get my teacher or if she happened to walk by and looked in and saw me. But after a little while, she was right there, and she asked what happened. And I told her, and she got really mad, and I got scared she was mad at me, and she said, asked if I was in trouble. And she said, no, he is, and she went over and yelled at the gym teacher mm-hmm. and told him, which she was right. She told him that... Um, he shouldn't threaten a little girl with a failing grade because she wouldn't show him her underwear. She was right. Yeah. And then she said, don't you ever threaten my little girl again. I'm taking her out of here. And she walked over to me and she grabbed me up, like physically picked me up and took me out. And at that point, I'm looking at her as a protector because she helped me with the gym teacher. And so that started breaking some of the ice so that she could get to know me a little bit more. After that, I did let her hold me on her lap, and then she figured out I wanted to be a teacher. She talked to my first grade teacher and found out how my first grade teacher had gotten me to talk and in class and then proposed doing the same thing. Okay. So she set herself up to be this fantastic mentor teacher who is going to help me learn how to teach. But then she also had excuses for having me come in early, stay after school, stay in at recess, be out of the classroom with her, etc. And she used that. And she used the times, and she genuinely did have me help her with some things. But she used those times to start to get to know me, and she also found out my best friend had moved. And she found out that if I was a you know, she realized after the gym teacher thing that if I was upset, I would let her hold me. Mm-hmm. So she started bringing up my best friend and how sad that is and how devastated I must be. So, of course, then, you know, I'd cry. Right. And then she'd pull me onto her lap and comfort me. Mm-hmm. And then her hands would start, you know, going under my clothes more and more. Mm-hmm. Usually just under my shirt at first. But then she said one day, that um, I was so special I would find another best friend. And I said, that's not the same. She No, it wasn't. But she said, we could be best friends. And she kept pushing it and pushing it, even though I was like, but you're a grown-up. She's like, but you're so grown-up for your age. And pushed it and pushed it until I finally agreed because this was my teacher. She had a lot of power over me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel like I could keep saying no when she kept pushing so then I agreed to share. Yeah. Let me um, I agree. Let me let me stop mm-hmm. you. Let me stop you for a second. And remember where you were, okay? Okay. <laughs> um um with the did you ever think of talking to your mother about this? I mean, you were starting I, you're a smart kid. You're a smart kid. And you knew somewhere along the line you started getting these feelings that it wasn't right, okay? Now, this is not your fault, ever your fault. You know this. I don't have to tell no. you this because yeah. we'll talk about what you do today in a little while. But um, would you have gone to your mother with this or were you scared or what was going on? What was going on in your mind with that, with your mother or your father? Whomever? Well, part of it, what was going on in my mind was I couldn't even find the words to explain how I felt. Right. I just knew it okay. felt icky. Mm-hmm. And I didn't yeah. know how to communicate that. Right. I gotcha. I get it. 
Now I know that, that yeah. I, I know that Lori's here and she wants to say hello to you, and then then okay. we'll go down to um, whom I think is Philip and see if he wants to say hello. Um, he's on on hold here, but probably not. So, but anyway, um, go ahead, go ahead, Lori. Say hello hi. and go from there. Yeah. Uh, hi, I am glad that you came on here. Um, you t- you're speaking very well about what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was able to pick up, honestly, uh, from the way you were reacting at the ages that you know you were going on, that you were a very smart child to begin with. Um, you had a sense of what was right, what wasn't right to do. It's, you weren't totally in the dark. You were just like young when it started. And unfortunately, you had to learn uh, how they went up. But you handled yourself very well. And I honestly think that these predators that are out there, including this teacher who, uh, oh, my God, I I couldn't even tell you what I would do to um, They sort of follow their own kind of pattern, and they're only sounding the same when they're grooming us because your teacher sounded like my father, you know, and it's in a different circumstance. So I definitely and feel, you know, those feelings that you weren't able to express back then, I felt that instantly from the way you were talking. So, yeah, you're definitely uh, not alone out there. And I think you um I mean, I did read your bio. I know where you went. But I think that you were the perfect person to take this as far as you can and go with it because you are so smart, you know, you know, shyness, you did come out of. I could tell when you came on you were um, a shy person um, by your voice. But you've managed to get through all that because you have such an important story to tell. Um, and you, people need to hear it, you know, you, so you can teach them, you can warn them for the signs. I mean, you had the courage to go through the self, the the healing of it, the everything of it, you know, because you took this further than any other kid would, honestly. So I have a lot of respect for you already. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. Yeah, you bet. You bet. And you see, this is something that I bring up every once in a while. I'm so happy you're on the show because um, – People again, they don't look at at female teachers as being someone who would you know do such a thing, all right. And that's unfortunate because the statistics even show that yes, there are are more men that do that, but the females are not far behind, and they haven't been getting uh, as much um, you know attention, if you will. You know, as they should, and yes, those who are prosecuted, they don't get as much time either as a male offender. And see, none of that is right. I do a lot of research, so I know all this stuff. So once in a while, I will mention the Huffington Post because I think it was about mm, oh my God, time goes by so quickly, doesn't it? I, I think it was probably about four or five years ago now when when that actually came up. Um, in the Huffington Post, and they showed the teachers' faces, mind you. These are the ones that were convicted, mm-hmm. right? It showed their faces. And, and uh, it's, you know, some are pretty, some weren't pretty, some were young, some are old. It doesn't matter because a pedophile is a pedophile, okay? And, um, and of course, the, uh, they each one received a different, you know, 
the jail sentence because um, that's just the way it was. And um, and that was unfortunate, too, because they didn't get what they should have. All right? No. I'm going to tell you that right now. So let's go back to your story. And uh, but before, let me say hello to Philip. I think that's Philip. Philip, is that you? Yes, no? Maybe so? I don't know. Let me see. 661 area code. Phil, is that you? Yes, how are you today? Oh, I'm okay. I'm so always so happy when you call in, okay? So um, I'm just going to leave your mic open, and if you want to say something, just, you know, um, hit the number one, and then I'll, I'll know, okay? That's up to you, all right? Okay. I'll call on you once in a while. Thank okay, you. yeah. Yeah. She's got quite a story here, and, I'm again, I'm so happy that she's bringing this up, and it gives her a lot of guts to talk about this because it teaches, and we're supposed to look up to them, hello. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Go so go ahead, Donna. Yeah. Something that as you were talking I thought of that I didn't bring up before, um, that mm-hmm. I think is relevant for why I knew a little bit more than some other kids may have. My dad was a social worker. Oh, okay. He actually mm-hmm. specialized in sexual abuse cases and helped start the sexual abuse task force here. He was one of the group of people that started it. That's wonderful. So that's wonderful. I knew about, you know, good touches and bad touches, but it was always presented in the context of a male doing it, Uh Uh never of a female, and never of a teacher. And Uh kids are very literal. So because I had never been told that was possible, it didn't enter my head that that might be what she was leading up to and starting to do. Right. And that's another reason why I didn't bring it up to either of my parents because I wasn't sure entirely what was going on. Mm-hmm. And this okay. was also, you, you know, back in the 80s, so it wasn't as well known that women could be predators as it is now. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that really makes spoken about. Too. Yeah, oh, no, you bet it does. Back in the 80s now, there, there wasn't really uh, much being done, you know, for, for child abuse in, in all different directions, whether it be with the teachers or, or like in the Catholic Church, I'm Catholic, but, you know, in the churches, you know, with the, the boys, the altar boys and all the other things, the Boy Scouts, on and on it goes. It doesn't matter. See, you know, they what they do is they position themselves where they are in a position to get their prey, if you will call it that, P-R-E-Y, and uh, so then they align themselves with jobs that uh, that actually, you know, where they are around children all the time. And she could see that you were a bashful child, that you were, you know, like a, a kid who, you know, maybe didn't feel quite so good about yourself, whatever, and that you were just plain bashful. And they'll look for people like that. They'll look for kids like that. And uh, that's why you stood out in her mind. And then, boy, she groomed you, all right. Yeah. And my, I, I think she what what uh, gets me with this teacher here. She was really brazen. All right, <laughs> she, she was brazen because, okay, she put you way in the back of the classroom. We know this, and I, I mm-hmm. we had a, a person on once before where that happened years ago. We had someone come on. And, uh, see, they want to keep you separate from the other kids so that they can put their hands, you know, up your, your, your up into your panties and stuff. And, and the way she had you positioned, no one could see that. I mean, she was just brazen, very brazen. She so, absolutely right, was. 
Yeah. So go and ahead and tell us. Yeah, go ahead and tell us your story, honey. She started doing more things in front of others, too. Like, she was incredibly physical with me. She would pick me up and swing me around in a circle under the arms. Um, It was fun. I enjoyed it, but I giggled, usually, at recess. She would tickle me a lot. She would hug me a lot. She would just pick me up and hold me a lot, um, which, you know, teachers shouldn't be doing this kind of behavior. Um, But nope said anything or did anything um, I got used to it she wasn't doing it with other kids um, you know when at first I kept moving away from her touches and she just kept violating those boundaries and eventually I just got used to it kids get used to things mm-hmm. and I just accepted that that was what she did and then she started trying to get me to take my clothes off The first time was when she said we were going to play a game um, and she was going to tickle me. And so she wanted to, she first was like, she's holding me on her lap facing her and the door was, classroom door was closed and locked. And um, she said, don't laugh. And then she tickled me and of course I giggled. And then she's like, let's see where you're most ticklish. And then that was the second part of the game. And then she decided I was most ticklish on my sides. And then she said, let's see if you're more ticklish under or over your shirt. And she immediately put her hands under my shirt. And then she said it would be so much easier if I would just let her take my shirt off. And I kept saying, no, no, no. Um, And she's like, come on, best friends can see each other without clothes. And she kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And again, this is my teacher. Yeah. So, she has so much power over me and you know I was always taught like pretty much all kids were back then or most kids were that you listen to your teacher Mm -hmm. you obey your teacher and so I did Mm -hmm. and I obeyed her and she was just like oh you're so gorgeous and I just felt awful I did not like that at all but she kept doing what she wanted and then gave me a little bracelet for making her so happy and being a good little girl, as she put it. And then, then, yeah. And then the next week she told me to stand at recess and she said that we were going to play a new game where she would show me how much she loved me. And she made sure all the blinds were closed, that the door was locked and that was when she stole my innocence. It was gone after that. She betrayed my trust, stole my innocence, stole the rest of my childhood, and I couldn't figure out what she was doing to me, why anybody would do that. Um, I didn't get what was happening. I was in shock. I know now that it was shock. But like at the time, I was having trouble breathing. It felt like I was underwater because everything seemed muffled and heavy. And then it just seemed like time was stretching like taffy. And it seemed to go on forever. I have no clue how long. But whenever she decided she wanted to stop, she told me that nobody would ever believe me if I told that I would be in trouble and that she'd ruin my life. And at that point, I... Yeah. I'm just, I'm mad. 
Good. I am sitting here. You're, you're drawing. You're drawing a very good picture here. So I'm. I'm getting mad because um, it, this is something they're so good at what they do. Okay. Yeah. And and you, you're just a, a little kid, you know, and and you're their victim, mm-hmm. and you have to go through all of these things. And um, many times, you know, when when kids get older, they turn to maybe become juvenile delinquents or they start drinking they or drugging, uh, they run away from home. They know that they're very, very unhappy inside, but they don't know why. Or maybe they do remember why. I, I never forgot anything, unfortunately. I wish I had gotten my memory blocked out, believe me. And, um, but this happens, unfortunately, to a, a lot of kids. And it is getting more attention today. You know, it is starting to get more attention. Not enough, but people are starting to, you know, look at the behavior of of, uh, teachers. We also have things in school that shouldn't be going on, but we won't go there. (laughs) I can't, you know, with some of that uh, identity. We'll leave it at that, all right? And, uh, but, you know, um, when it comes to the, uh, the sexual and the physical and the mental and the emotional abuse that we speak about on this show, um, were you becoming frightened of her? What, what, what was going yes. through your mind? Yeah, I'll bet. Um, she had also, you know, being a teacher, she knew psychology, she knew attachment techniques, and she knew how to get a child to attach to her, and she got me to attach to her. Um, so I was having a struggle with this person who she got me to love her before she um, stole my innocence. And that I was so confused by what she was doing. I didn't understand it. It didn't physically hurt. Um, Mm -hmm. It just, I didn't get what was happening. I was in shock. She sent me back in my desk chair and then went to get my classmates from recess and I made myself fall asleep because I couldn't handle what was going on. Mm -hmm. And when I woke up, she woke me up and my classmates were gone and I can't remember where, but they weren't in the classroom when she woke me up. And I was so startled that I jumped into her arms and she just lavished affection on me and told me how much she loves me and didn't make any reference to what happened earlier. So I put it out of my head. And then a few days later, she took me into the empty storage room. She gave my classmates an assignment and left them alone to take me into this empty storage room. That time, my flight response kicked in and I tried to bolt, but she grabbed me by the upper arms and left bruises on me and made me stay there. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And so... That was scary. I'm sure. I mean, the whole thing is frightening. You, you, when you start getting the realization that something's wrong here, okay, and that was a while back, and uh, still every day, I mean, I don't know, I wouldn't have been able to sleep right. Um, I have a temper. I, ha- I have a temper. And I, I don't know what I would have done with that one, but, um, you know, I wouldn't be able to sleep right because when a kid is being abused and it's so active and it's so it's right there in front of you and you know it's going to be like almost like an everyday event it, it makes you not even you know want to see that person you don't want to go to school i mean this is what happens to a lot of kids you you wanted to be a teacher so you wanted to go to school 
I didn't care if I was a teacher or not, so I didn't want to go to school, all right? <laughs> you know, I feel I'm, I'm not going to worry about this, okay? Um, I have to stay away, you know, to stay away from abuse, all right? This is how I would look at it. Um, how Were you able to concentrate? Um, sometimes, sometimes not. I, you know, I did have, start having, like, after the first time when she annihilated my innocence, I started having sleep problems. I started having nightmares. I started getting scared of the dark, which I hadn't been for a long time. Um, I started putting, I had a, a dog who slept in the bed with me. So I had my dog, but then I also put stuffed, an, line stuffed animals up along the edges of my bed facing out like a little stuffed animal army to protect me or I wouldn't be able to sleep. Um, and I started getting depressed. I started losing interest in things. Um, I started getting a very heightened startle response. So like any unexpected noise would just make me jump. Um, I start, yeah. mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I started getting anxiety, et cetera, and she quickly progressed what she was doing. So it, it became not just every day, but multiple times every school day. Mm. She would just keep me in from recess, keep me in from specials, or take me out of the classroom, but it was more than once every single school day that I was there. And soon I started developing stomach aches, headaches, and I sometimes tried to resist her and let her know how upset I was with her. Sometimes I would yell at her, which for a child who was so quiet and obedient before should have been a huge sign to everybody else, something's very wrong. Mm-hmm. And they should have stepped in too, especially with her, because she didn't. She had a temper, and mm-hmm. she did not like being talked back to. She did not like being out of control. So she would use the F word. She would yell. She would grab me. She would put her hand over my mouth, etc. And other teachers saw this. They like the saw other it grade and level they did teachers nothing. did, and they nothing. did nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. The other grade level teacher saw so much. Like she saw one time when the classes were watching a movie like a month into the school year, I had a splitting headache because I had just, I had been molested not long before that. And my teacher sat on the floor and told me to come sit in her lap. So I did. And she said, just fall asleep. You might feel better. So I did. And the other sixth grade, or the other class uh, grade level teacher came in and saw her holding me on her lap and asked my teacher if she wanted to break too because she could watch the, the classes. And my teacher said, no, I want to hold my little sleeping beauty. I was like partially awake then. And I remember that because it just sounded so odd to me. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, you know, teachers shouldn't be holding a sleeping student. Um, well, they shouldn't and, be touching you at all, okay? That's the law. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. I mean, back then that wasn't the law, but, I mean, yeah, there's yeah. so many things that should have been red flags to them. Mm-hmm. And the other grade level teacher, um, we switched classes for math. I was in the high math group, so I went to the other classroom, and the lower math group stayed with my teacher. And I would always dawdle. I didn't want to go back to class. And the other teacher asked me one day, why are you dawdling? And I said that I don't want I don't want to be around. And I said my teacher's name. And she said, well, you better get back to class. 
not asking why. Why, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or one time when my teacher came out to get me because I wasn't supposed to go out to recess, but I snuck out and ran, um, I was running for my teacher, and that other teacher stopped me and said, your teacher's looking for you. And I said, I don't want to be around her. She's too handsy with me, and I don't like it. Mm-hmm. The other teacher said, well, she's looking for you. Go to her. I'm like, that's yeah. a, pretty, a pretty big sign something's wrong. Absolutely. And, and you know, a lot of times uh, that's what they do even today. All right, uh, look at Penn State. All right? Everybody knows about Penn State. Okay. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, all those people inside, other teachers, even people in administration, um, down to being the secretarials uh, and, and all this other stuff, they all knew that there was something going on. And what did they do? They kept their mouth shut. So it went on for years. It went on for years. And and this is uh, not acceptable. That's why, we, you know, I'll bring that up once in a while. But it's not just Penn State. It doesn't matter what organization it is, even in the Cub Scouts, the Boy Scouts, you name it, camp counselors, um, you name it. Anyone, there can be bad people there. Let's just put it that way. Sick, bad Absolutely. people. Yeah. So let's, Absolutely. let me get... Um, let me let me get um, you know my other gal on here because uh, I know that she you know she always has something she wants to say. Laura, go ahead, Lori. I uh, I was a I wrote it even down. I'm trying to picture how a school full of children. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a small town, um, but it's enough of a school full of children who know you and know that you're not in the same place as them. Mm-hmm. And teachers know that this this monster that you had is not in the you know teachers conference room eating lunch or whatever, and it's an audience around you watching you, and you're in the middle suffering, mm-hmm. and nobody is helping you. How yeah. that can go on? I mean. There's a principal that we should have been informed if we actually didn't know it. But to think that all those teachers would just not say anything is horrifying. Uh, and what you went through was, was horrifying enough. Um, so they got my answer about you didn't have a good bunch of teachers over there. So how did the other kids treat you knowing that this teacher was paying so much attention to you? Um, not very good. They um, told they called me her girlfriend. They accused me of helping her commit adultery. So they, so they, they knew saw the details. They knew enough that they were making those guesses. I mean, she made me, and I didn't say this before, but she made me give her a kiss on the lips every morning. If I wasn't already in the school, on the way into school, I had to stop and give her a kiss on the lips. Did this woman even look around and see if anyone was watching what she was doing? No, I don't think she did. I honestly wonder sometimes if she wasn't sociopathic, at least to an extent. Oh, she's definitely mentally ill. Definitely mentally ill. Like, why didn't anybody, how did she even get into the school district? 
and nobody do anything. Unbelievable. She had groomed the community very well. She had volunteered a lot of places. She was known as a pillar of the community. Mm-hmm. And she deliberately made friends with people in high places. She had volunteered in the school district for a long time. And if you didn't see the side of her like that I saw, you would think she was this incredibly nice, charming, generous, wonderful person. So she had at least two personalities. That's what it feels like to me. I saw several different sides to her is what I called them. How did she react to the other kids in your classroom? Was she, like, even nice to them? or or, Um, She was was because I'm sure she wanted them to keep her secrets. Um, You know, she didn't want them telling, like, getting mad at her and telling on what they saw her doing with me. But they also saw her temper, like, there were times when she'd get mad at us when we were talking too much and she'd slam the door and tell us to shut our effing mouths. Wow. Oh, helpless children. Helpless children. And the principal never walked around the school. I don't even remember seeing him that year. That was so Um, wrong. And he should have kept an eye on her because she was a first-year teacher. And that should have required a lot of supervision. I don't know why they. I don't know why they put teachers with aides in the rooms now. You know, it was like we used to go when I was growing up. All we had was the one teacher. Listen, I came from a large town. Um, it was always thirty kids in a classroom, so the visual. It's like everybody knew everybody else. They would talk about each kid. How they can leave you out in a situation like that, I don't understand why that woman did not end up in jail. Yeah. You and me both, um, especially also the other grade-level teacher, even saw my teacher come out of the same bathroom stall with me. I had broken my wrist the day before, and I had my left wrist in the sling. I'm right-handed. I did not need her help in the bathroom, but she decided I did. So she followed me in, and then um, when we came out and she saw the other grade-level teacher, she bolted to her and made up an excuse that I needed her help. And I'm frantically shaking my head, no, I did not. And the other teacher saw me, my teacher saw me, and then stepped back onto my feet to tell me not to basically give me a message I should not do that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I want to say something there about the bathroom issue, okay? (laughs) That's one thing that people don't know about. I'm glad you brought that up. Because pedophiles very much want to go into the bathroom with a child, okay, whether it be male or female, whatever. Um, That's one thing, because they actually get excited watching them urinate. I know that. Mm-hmm. See, this is a sick thing. This is they're sick, like like Lori said. This is, they're sick, and they are sick. Um, so I call them bad, but they're sick. <laughs> they're, bad, they're both, all right. Um, but you know, and many times they haven't been abused themselves. You know, there are some that have been. You know, as a child growing up, that's not always the case. You know, being abused themselves. Okay, there's a small amount of people who abuse themselves who do become pedophiles. There's only thirty percent. Some say as high as 40% now. But still in all, 
um, there's more people who have been abused, say like yourself, like me, like Lori, like like Philippa, like or anybody else that comes to NASCA, okay? That doesn't mean we're going to become a pedophile, okay? It takes a certain type of individual to do that. But with the bathroom scene, that's something that's very, very common. They want to go into the bathroom with you, okay? So I'm letting people know that if, if people out there, if, if you're sitting around with a bunch of friends and you haven't even realized, now you have your children with you, and, um, you know, you haven't even realized that one or maybe two people are a little, you know, off, <laughs> Um, you know, and they, they like children too much. They spend too much time with children. They want to be near children. They do, you know, just too much of everything, too much playing, tickling. That's a big thing with pedophiles, with the tickling. Hey, people tickle their children. Don't get me wrong. But they like to tickle to the point where a child almost urinates in their pants, okay? It, mm-hmm. They get a, a charge out of that. They get a charge out of that. So you have the bathroom issue and the tickling issue. So there's two red flags right there and then too much time spent with children and not enough with the adults. So I, I hold on a second because I see Philip's hand up here. And uh, let's just see if he wants to make a comment or, or if he still wants to listen. Hold on a second. Philip, you can hear me. Is, is there a comment you'd like to make or ask a question? Um, I have two questions, if that's okay. Good. Go ahead. What do you do for work today, and do you feel like you're recovering? Um, yes, I do feel like I'm recovering, and I got my dream of being a teacher back, and I'm now at a university teaching prospective teachers. Well, it's encouraging to know, to hear that you didn't let that stop you from being a teacher. Thank you. It did for a while for like most of my teen years, I didn't want to be a teacher. But I decided huh. I wasn't going to let her take anything else from me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Cool. Thank yeah, you. I feel that way. Yeah, thank you for that, Philip. That was a good question. And, uh, hey, look, there's a lot of people out there that shows strength, and I, I know that Lori would agree with that also. That shows strength um, on your part, your character part. I mean, you knew that you were being abused. And it took you a while, you know, to wrap your, your head around that and um, to accept that it happened, but not to let it define who you are today. See, this is what we always try to do with people so that they can move forward. Otherwise, they stay right. in that rut. Yes. And and uh, so uh, congratulations to you, and I'm proud of you. We all are. And I'm sure Thank that you, you are a fine, yeah, I'm sure you're a fine teacher. Let me ask you something. Are you teaching um Children? Are you teaching kids? A little kid? Who are you teaching? I'm teaching adults. I am teaching people who want to be teachers. Okay, that's good. That's good. Okay. And I taught elementary school for 12 years. Oh, very good. That's fine. That's wonderful. It says here that all of a sudden um, your traumatic memories often returned. So for it seems like for a while you got past that horror, and that's what it is, what you're describing here, and, and unfortunately all too common, okay, whether you're male or female teachers. Um, but then all of a sudden you started to get like, like flashbacks or something. Would you call them flashbacks? What, what were you getting? All of a sudden you started to uh, have memories. Well, it, I do have flashbacks, and I would – get the flashbacks and stuff them down for a very long time. 
Um, I'll go back and talk more about like how I told on her, et cetera. But Mm -hmm. um, recently, like six months ago, I started having very realistic dreams about my abuser who is dead. She died a while ago. Um, And which makes little girls safer, honestly. So I was rather relieved when she died, as awful as that sounds. I felt bad for her family and friends, but was relieved that little girls were safer with her death. Um, And then, like, some of my friends started bringing her up to me a lot because they knew her, and they didn't know what she had done. And just a lot of other things started happening, and I started getting more flashbacks, and I realized, you know what, I still have more healing to do. So I decided to work on that healing. Um, I do a lot of journaling. I write every single morning and usually other times in the day. Just stream of consciousness writing. I have a talk therapist and EMDR therapist. Mm -hmm. And I'm doing some yoga. I'm doing some art journaling and sharing my story. And that all helps me heal. I also um, I've also designed a training for pre-service teachers on recognizing child abuse, sexual abuse in particular, how that impacts kids. And I've given that training once. I am going to train school counselors, and I'm also developing trainings for parents, guardians, and other caregivers, and hoping to talk to someone in the police department here, and I'll explain why with that. Um, when I tell my story of what happened when I told on her and oh, yeah, hopefully get to train in, in the local school district as well. Okay. So well, you're, you're um, doing wonderful things. Let's, let's go back. Thank you. Yeah. I'm just so proud of you. We all are. For God's sake, thank believe you. Me. And um, I might get Bill on for a second um, towards the end because he too had uh, issues with the, with priests. Okay. Now, Okay. You didn't have issues with priests, but it was the same type no. of thing. Okay. Yeah. So um, anyway, go ahead and and tell us your story from the point you know that you and I spoke in. Um, you, you told on the teacher finally. Okay. Go ahead. Yes. Um, so she, what you said about them getting excited by watching children urinate is absolutely true because she would often insist on watching me pee, and that just freaked me out. I hated that, but that was not uncommon for her. Um, She always used the same bathroom as the kids. She did not go down the hall to the faculty bathroom, just used ours, which should be a red flag to anybody too. Absolutely. Um, And then she, she would tell me things to try to build intimacy, and she basically spousified me. She started telling me things that she shouldn't tell a child. Like, I got to hear all about her marriage and how she married her husband because she wanted that image and that she wasn't in love with him. She was in love with me, and she talked about how she hated having sex with him, you know, all this stuff that she never should have shared with a child. She told me she had to be drunk to have sex with him because she hated him. And that's not something a child needs to hear. No. She also told me that, with me, she finally understands why people enjoy sex. It was the best sex she ever had. And then later she said that what we did was making love, making me feel like it was my fault too because she made me do things to her. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so this one on the entire year with her, you know, doing stuff multiple times a day. Um, the end of school came. She told me to come visit her because she lived not that far from us. Of course, I did not. She drove past my house like a lot, which she did when I was in her class too, but she kept doing that after because I'd see her car occasionally. And then the next year in school, it suddenly hit me, oh, my God, she could be doing this to another little girl. So I went to an appointment with my school counselor, and I just told her a little bit, a little tiny bit about what happened. And she called my parents, and she called the police. And when I went to the police and got interviewed, they told me a woman would not molest a girl. Mm-hmm. And so they asked me why I was saying this. And then when I shared, you know, some fragments of memories, because for some of the incidents that I was sharing with them, I didn't have the full memory because that's what trauma does to the brain. Right. They um, were making fun of me for that. Mm-hmm. And so I just shut down. I stopped talking to them. Later, like a few days after, maybe a week or so um, after that, they were asking me again some questions, and they told me that she had threatened to commit suicide, and if she did, it would be my fault. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which right. I almost recanted right then, because I didn't want her to die. Yeah. yeah. So, and I was a little kid. They did not ask me any of the questions that they would have if a man had molested me, mm-hmm. which I did not know until I was an adult. I mean, like, they didn't ask me if she had any identifying marks or anything. I could have given them, like, some scars that she had, et cetera, that would have made it abundantly clear something had happened. But they didn't ask that, and I didn't know to offer. So they decided that they weren't going to charge her with anything. And as soon as she got back into the classroom, because the school district had suspended her with pay, she told all the students that she had been out because Donna Bolatowicz had lied about her. Yeah. Boy, that must have... Uh, so then I got bullied. <laughs> yeah. And my parents, my fantastic parents, put me in therapy immediately. They believed me 100%. They had seen the behavior changes, tried to figure out what was going on, but I couldn't tell them because my teacher threatened me so badly. I was so scared. And I was scared, you know, that they'd stop loving me if they knew what she had done because I had stopped loving myself Mm -hmm. because of what she had done. Mm -hmm. And so they got me in therapy with the best child psychologist in the area for sexual abuse survivors. Mm -hmm. And that helped. I was diagnosed with PTSD, Mm -hmm. um, which is very common for sexual abuse survivors to be diagnosed with. And that therapist helped me deal with PTSD, like helped me figure out like grounding techniques, et cetera, during flashbacks so that they don't fully transport me back to the past mm-hmm. and then helped me deal with some of the emotions. But therapy back then for sexual abuse survivors was like just beginning. Mm-hmm. There was a lot I couldn't articulate. And when I asked for the dolls, because I wanted to try to show something that I couldn't find words for, she told me no, started shoving those memories down. 
I don't know why she said no. Maybe at the time that wasn't in use for sexual abuse victims. I don't know. Or maybe I was too old, quote unquote, for that. I don't know. But I started shoving those memories down. And then my abuser kept retaliating. She did a lot of different things to retaliate, um, including showing up at my band concerts and making sure I saw her, which would scare the crap out of me, Mm -hmm. and then make me not enjoy the concert because I knew she was there. She had no reason to be there. She had no kids in band. She didn't, like, wasn't close with anybody who was in band. She just showed up. Mm -hmm. And then... Um, enough people were pushing back on her saying, like, well, if you're innocent, why don't you sue? She sued us, saying that I was insane and lied about her. So my parents countersued. Mm -hmm. Let me say something here, because, um, you know, you mentioned something earlier way on, and... um, if she didn't get convicted of anything, then you couldn't even gone and gotten a like a restraining order or or anything else no. because she'd already been found. Yeah, she'd already been found not guilty, and then she goes back to the school and she talks about, well, I was gone for a while because you had lied about her. I mean, what a what a terrible thing this is for you to have to go through. Okay, this is awful. And um, yeah. a lot of times, I just want you to know that a lot of times people blame, of course, the victim. First of all, she liked it. That's mm-hmm. what they'll say. All right. And um, she she would actually do things to me. They'd turn it around because you they taught you how to do things to them. And, and you felt like you had to do things to them because you were scared mm-hmm. of them. And, you, and, and all kinds of things are going through your head. It was never your fault. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ever, ever, ever. And, you know, so all the things that these pedophiles do to children is horrifying. And um, now I was always so damn tough that if someone came after me, I wanted to smack them, all right? I, I grew up rough. And um, all the people that affected me and touched me, all these, you know, we have something in common here many, 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 many times, okay? Um, it doesn't matter whether it's one time or 150 or 176 times, okay? It doesn't matter. Exactly. Because one time is too many. But they have <laughs> a way of of working with you. And now, see, now, like Lori said a little bit earlier on here, which is is smart, because, you see, she said that it was like there were two of her. At first she was mm-hmm. loving and kind and grooming you and all this other stuff and, and sweet and all, and telling you wonderful things, you know, all these things. And then all of a sudden, boy, she started to turn on you and she came out with the F words because, you see, your behavior started. You started to get aggressive. That little girl who was so bashful all of a sudden became aggressive because you didn't like it and you wanted her to stop and you wanted her to you cut it out and just be a teacher and she didn't want to hear that, okay? So then there are two sides to her. And then she turns into a stalker on top of it all because she wants to keep showing you that I'm going to show up wherever you are. And uh, plus the fact she wanted to look at you too, okay? So there's a couple things mm-hmm. going on there. Yeah. So uh, pedophiles and pedophilia, the, the disease of, it is a horrific thing. Yeah. And um, yes, it is. And you know what? Um 
I know how I feel about it, but I'm not allowed to say it on air, okay? <laughs> probably similar it. to how I feel. <laughs> yeah, we probably all feel that way, you know? So, yep. um, but, <laughs> you know, the things we go through, right? You know, the physical, the mental, the emotional, like I speak about, even in, in, the, in the statement, the mission statement. So, um, yeah. Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm going to get Bill on for a second here and let him have something to say because he, too, was abused, all right? So, um, Bill, you're on if you want to say hello and maybe say a little bit about what you had gone through and your experiences. It's The time is now. I don't think he's there. He's working. All right. You can't hear me. All right. Well, well, I'll get back to him in a little while. Let me let me turn on his uh, mic and see if that's better. <laughs> I, I'm so excited here. Yeah, I got it on. Got I'm, I'm on so now? mad. I, I'm so excited and mad here listening to this. You know, so why don't you share? <laughs> why don't you share some I of did. your I heard the whole show. I've been listening. Donna, I'm really appreciative of the fact that you came on tonight and told this story, and I know there's a little more to tell, but our stories are quite quite similar, actually, even though I'm a boy, or I was a boy, and you were a girl. Uh, your teacher was a female, mine was a male. Uh, I had multiple uh, experiences with multiple uh, teachers um, or counselors. One was, a, one was a camp counselor, the rest of them were teachers. And, um, you know, it's, it was horrible because you're trapped. If you're at a campsite, mm-hmm. you know, for a month, you can't get away. You know, I, I, could, I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what was happening, didn't know where to go. All the feelings that you were describing, having of the confusion and so forth, yet, you know, when I was touched, it, some of it felt, felt great. It felt like I didn't know what it was, but, but I didn't want it to stop necessarily either because it was, you know, an experience I'd never had before especially the first year. Uh, and then later, I, when I started to understand what it was, um, I tried to stay away from it, and that didn't really work. You know? And so I had to kind of graduate away from the camp, for one thing, and then away from the school for the next thing in order to escape the pedophiles that were preying on me. They were all men. And also I had a lot of pornography done, 35-millimeter uh, film, uh, camera, uh, the one predator was a photographer, the first one. And so, it, you know, there was a certain uh, appeal to me because he considered me to be special, just like your teacher did. He considered me to be special for my body, basically, as a model to him, and he got off on it. Um, and he never let, he never made me touch him at all. He was pretty smart about it. I think I would have been disgusted had he done that, but he didn't. Yet he, he touched me all the time, you know, with his hands, with his mouth, with all kinds of stuff, with feathers, <laughs> and with the camera, of course. Um, and anyway, I just wanted you to know, it's not just girls that with women, it's boys with, with men. And um, I, I really, really closely identify with much of what you've, uh, you've been talking about today. So thank you very much. I really appreciate your being here. And thank you for sharing your story. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Thank you, Bill. Okay. So, you see, you're not alone. That's what I was saying before. Um, this is something a little bit more, um, you know, aside from the others, okay? Not the acts itself, because this is how pedophiles behave, but the fact that it's school. That's really putting it in a category, okay? 
because it's school. Yeah. So it's so important. I know there's a lot of people listening now. And it's so important that people hear this because they have to understand, like I'm going to say this really quick and then go back to your story, but um, and then what you're doing to exactly today and all that stuff. But, you know, um, you know, a lot of times, especially like in the Italian families, it's, I know so much about that, okay, um, a, a father will say to his son, you know, the son will say, oh, I think my teacher has a crush on me, blah, 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 and she gives me special attention and blah, 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 all this stuff. And what, is it, what does the father do? He slaps the kid on the back and he goes, that a boy. <laughs> you know, that a boy. Well, that teacher may very well be grooming that son, mm-hmm. okay, the 15-year-old. The 15-year-old kid usually is like, hmm, you know, it can be even younger than that, okay, with the boys. And um, so, you know, it, they don't realize, they don't have the realization um, that they're not supposed to put their hands on kids and and this is something, and I think that, you know, since you're working in this field and all this other stuff, I think I think that people should be made to fill out a form of some sort that there is never, never any hand touching on any child, okay, whether it even be a hug or whatever, it's not appropriate, okay, because we do have a lot of pedophiles that are in you know, the school this system. Has, I just want you to Go know ahead. this has changed quite a bit. Okay, mm-hmm. it has changed quite a bit since we were young, Donna and I. It was um, there, there wasn't any special attention paid to it when I was a kid, and you know, after all, we're talking 50 years ago and more, you know, with me. So mm-hmm. the um, the rules have changed. The, all the rules that you're talking about about scanning uh, yeah. people or what is it, having them pass security tests and looking up their background and all that are supposed to be done. Now I'm not saying they are. Right. They're supposed mm-hmm. to be done. And the rules are, just as you said, there's no touching ever. In fact, somebody mentioned earlier that it would be good if uh, people, uh, you know, if, if, if more than one person was with a kid at a time. And that also is a basic rule from, uh, from the last few years that there's no such thing as one-on-one a kid and an adult. They, right. The, the, the right. adult has to be accompanied by some other adult. You know, That's in any correct. situation that would put them separate, and and it is that is part of the case that the um, the teaching assistant is in the classroom. Although it's also because they really need help. The teachers really need help, <laughs> but it does cut down on you know um, nefarious teachers when there's another teacher there and they have their eyes on what's happening. So these things are have, are are correct being corrected, but there's still a lot of it out there. And, you know, the thing that that I wanted to make a note of, and I'll set up now, but just for one second more, um, you mentioned that, um, that, uh, what did you mention? Jeez, I just had it in my head. Nah, 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 nah. Good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He and I tease each other all the time. Okay. All right, I'll I'll come back. I can't remember what I I just had in my head. It was pretty good, so I'll I'll think about it and come back. Okay. 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 <laughs> I won't hold my breath. There you go. <laughs> I got him. <laughs> but anyway, I like to tease, tease him. But yeah, all right. There have been laws that have come into be. That's true. But you know, I'm thinking if a pedophile is sitting there and they haven't been quite, um, you know, hired yet for the job, and they have to have strict rules that they can't touch them, no matter what the situation may be. Um, 
maybe, just maybe, you know, um, it would help the situation, maybe cut down on what's going on in the school system. But one thing you have to remember is a lot of pedophiles think that they're smarter than any, any everybody else, all right? They're going to be so smart and, and cunning with the way that they do it that they won't get caught. So it's a little bit of this and it's a little bit of that. You know what I'm saying? I, All I know yeah. is it's 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 disgusting. Yeah, it is. Let me let me let me bring up what I was going to say, and then I'll get away from you guys and let you continue the show. But I really think it was important that you said that you didn't know what was happening. You had no understanding. You had no way to tell what this was, and that's the case with a lot of people who are not taught. This is what prevention is. You know, it's Carol's Carol's sweet house. You know, roundhouse. Huh? Um, mm-hmm. That you know, prevention is a really important part of what we do, and it's that's the process by which we teach children. The reality of life is, you know, you should you should say no to someone who's trying to touch you, uh, you know, in inappropriate places. You should know all the body part names. You should yep. be ready to go to a teacher or a parent or a law enforcement person, uh, and all this because we are now more knowledgeable than we were. But we still do not bother to educate our kids. So when a pedophile does come on to the kid, he or she doesn't know what's going on. We just don't know. I had no idea what this mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's pretty that's common right. still today. So, okay, thank you very much for uh, hanging in there, Donna, with me. And thank you, Carol. <laughs> thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, yeah. And, well, it was just the other day I saw online that um, this man had been arrested, and he had uh, violated quite a few kids, okay? And, and finally he got a nice, yeah, maybe you saw it. It was online. Um, he finally got a good, stiff sentence, okay? And, um, you know, that, that that's important, and I hope they stick to it. No good behavior, you know, this, this type of thing. No good behavior. Because uh, look what they've done to us. Okay, look what Absolutely. they've done to us, you know, and they deserve to stay out of, you know, the po- population will take care of them inside the prison. They will. Mm-hmm. They don't like, they don't like pedophiles. They don't like people who hurt children, a lot of them, because some have children themselves. I don't care what they're in their, in their you know, prison for, but they do have kids themselves. Or maybe they have younger brothers and sisters, or they have nieces or nephews, whatever the case might be. And they can think, hey, you know, that could have happened to so-and-so, you know, uh, with the teacher. You know, shame on them. And then they don't like them. Believe me. They become, excuse me, no. they become their bitch. Okay? <laughs> That's what it is in prison. I used to work in detention. I know this. So, um, and then uh, the two places that are really, very, really bad in, in a prison is uh, the lunchroom, yes, but also the shower room. And those people don't stand a chance. They're going to be harassed. They try to keep them out of the population, but that's too hard to do because it's overcrowding in the prison system. And now they're letting out all the people, and many, unfortunately, are pedophiles. And I could go on about that, but I won't because I get political, and I'm very much into politics. My one grandfather was a mayor on <laughs> two terms, and I, I, I grew up with it. But, um, you know, the point is this. Um, yeah, there's more things happening in the school now where they're trying harder, you know, to uh, watch out for things like this. But 
an awful lot more has to be done. So go ahead with where you were at your, you know, in the in your story. Go ahead, and then I'll let the Lori speak. Go ahead. Um, so what I was saying, I think I left off where she sued my family, and we countersued her. Um, I had to give a deposition, and after the deposition, my lawyer said that her lawyers now know that I'm telling the truth, and that Good. she would end up dropping it, which she did. So thank goodness for that. But when she had the lawsuit. When she first initially filed the lawsuit, she also passed that paper around to every single one of my high school teachers uh-huh. that was saying I was insane, that I was dangerous, that I was lying, et cetera. And like my band, assistant band director moved me from second chair in the top band to second row. He demoted me, um, kind of, I guess, as a way to get back at me because he was a good friend of hers. And I had problems with other teachers at the school who were, like, treating me badly enough in class that kids I didn't even know were standing up for me. And this happened through my entire high school career because she recirculated the paper every year. Wow. She knew knew the teachers at the school quite well. Well, Um, You're a tough girl. You're a tough girl because here you are today, you. you know. Yeah, I'm going to put Lori on because um, this show is going fast. This went so fast. I mean, my clock is off by about seven minutes, I think. But still in all, um, I know that Lori might want to say something. And I'm I'm glad you're getting some sort of, uh, you know, restitution with this because a lot of times people don't, all right, for this reason or that reason. And people like her and all the other ones belong in jail. Yes, they do. Because they're a pedophile. Yeah. Okay, let's see what Lori has to say. Go ahead. I believe you were chosen, honestly. Everybody who lands up in a body into a family, you know, we don't just, like, come out of the blue here. We're coming down from heaven. And uh, the conveyor belt broke, (laughs) and they dropped you into a wonderful family, (laughs) but you have this... uh, horrific childhood memory that scarred you and is still as you heal there's always going to be scars there's always going to be triggers and you're going to find that you are going to be more aware than most people of things that are going on even if they're not going on you're going to look deeper to make sure because that's now in your personality you can't not do it you can't undone what was done to you You were exposed to something that never should have happened. And as much as we try to get rid of it, um, we do come far as we age. Um, We do a lot, like you do with everything that you're into. Um, It's a process of healing, and it goes on, honestly, most of your life. But in that, as you're healing, you can get to put all the personal stuff that you came in this world with that got crapped on, you know. You've got wants, you've got desires, you've got talent and hobbies that you should be in and doing outside stuff because doing all of that, believe it or not, helps too. You know, it helps, (laughs) you know, just like bring you up because you were in a uh, suck mode and you didn't receive the right amount of encouragement, of fun, of everything at the right time. So they delayed you. So catching up to all that, you're a go-getter. I could, you're definitely a go-getter. 
So you're going to balance yourself off at a certain age. You can work hard. You can do everything you can do. But the process takes as long as it does. And as long as willing to keep going with it, you're going to find yourself in different places. You know, your life is just not stopped here and this is all you're doing. There's going to be more that you're doing. And I think you're the right person to do it. Yeah. Thank you. No, I, I couldn't well. agree more. I couldn't agree more with what Lori just said. You are a tough lady. You don't realize this little meat child all of a sudden turned into like a, a really strong person, you know, like a lion or something. And you are determined. I mean, you're you're like she said, you are a go getter. And um, a lot of people, okay, would stay stuck somewhere. Oh, this happened to me. This happened to me. Well, yes, it did. But today's it, it's 2023. You know what I'm saying? We have to move <laughs> on. We have to move on. We have to move on. And you've shown a perfect uh, way of how you've done that, and I think that's wonderful. So at, we're at, getting towards the end of your story, and I do always go to people's bios to pick out this, this, and that. Um, but so... Tell me about, um, all right, now, so she, you did sue her. There was all this stuff going on, and uh, you told me and, and told us, told, uh, you know, everybody who's listening um, a, a good portion of that. So why don't you talk about what you're doing today and um, and how we can, you know, can people contact you? And, and let me, before you start that, you are a family member here now because you told your story. Yeah. And you can come on here Monday through Friday, okay? On Tuesdays okay, and Thursdays we have, yeah, on Tuesdays and Thursdays we have, uh, we try to have the survivor professionals come on and we have those people um, listed ahead of time and if one can't make it, I'll, I'll fill in. But you could, maybe you could fill in, you're a professional in what you're doing and uh, whatever. So, uh, and then on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so we have people like yourself who come on and tell their story, and you did it fabulously, okay? You did a great Thank job. You. you know, you really did. So all that scary stuff that you were thinking, that you were feeling nervous and all that, if anything, it gave you a little bit of energy. And let me tell you something, you did fine. You did fine. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. So, um so talk to us about what you're doing exactly today. You 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 have your PhD. It says here eventually I, yes. I earned my PhD, and you've started teaching, and uh, and go into there and you know a little bit about what you're doing. You know you're teaching um, adults and all that. Go ahead. Yes, I'm teaching prospective elementary teachers. We call them pre-service teachers, and I have fabulous group of students. So excited for them to be teachers. They're going to do a phenomenal job in their classrooms. Um, I teach this semester. I'm teaching curriculum classes, and I also teach a children's literature course. Um, children's literature is one of my areas of expertise, and I just finished my term as chair of a national book award committee, children's book award committee. So I volunteered. Thank you. I volunteered um, when I, well, I was selected for the Charlotte Huck Book Award Committee um, five years ago, and I served on it for three years as a member, and then I was selected to be chair. And I served that position for two years, which I loved. Um, The Charlotte Huck Book Award is for transformative fiction that inspires compassion, imagination, and wonder. Mm -hmm. So fabulous book award. And well, yeah. in addition, 
things. Thank you. Sorry I interrupted. No, 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 no. Hey, at least okay. you're stopping, okay? Some people don't stop, and then, then we go all over each other. It's a mess. <laughs> so you're doing fine, all right? Go ahead. Thank you. Um, so in addition to the work I do at my university, and I work with fabulous individuals, I'm so lucky to have the colleagues that I have right now. Um, I am starting to write children's books. I would like to write some that I would have needed when I was in upper elementary or before then to help me through or to help me recognize what was going on sooner. Um, because of my position on that book award committee and because my area of expertise is children's literature and I study that a lot, I know where there are gaps in the books and what is not out there that kids need. So I am writing to try to fill some of those gaps, specifically in relation to sexual abuse prevention. That is wonderful. I've got to interrupt you there because you see, all right, people are writing books about, and I'm not, I'm not downing anything. I'm an author too. I wrote my memoirs and made it to Japan. I say that once in a while. I'm really happy about that. Yay. But here's the point. Yeah, that was cool. But here's the thing. With um, we needed more children's books out there, and a lot of time they were so careful. Now you have to be careful to a certain extent. It's the wording, right. all right, and, and the illustrations that they have in the books and so forth. But there wasn't really enough red flags shown, and this is something that we teach right here on on, on NASCA. And when I was doing presentations, now I have to start that Zoom stuff. Here we go. But anyway. Um, you know, we would teach, we do teach uh, about the red flags, and it's good for children to be taught in the proper way, everything's appropriate, age appropriate, mm-hmm. about their bodies, what's not proper, improper touching, and all. they need to know the red flags, because teaching them just across the street, or or uh, the guy around the bush or something, <laughs> pops out and offers candy and exposes himself, that's not good enough. No, okay? it's just not it's good not. enough. So in the in the course of your writing of your books and your books that you're going to be you know doing and doing, um, hey, I hope you're able to get some of those red flags put in there in an appropriate age appropriate way, so that kids can catch on to what's not right, what's not right. Absolutely, and yeah. with having taught elementary school, I know mm-hmm. different age levels of kids because I taught different grade levels. So I know mm-hmm. a lot more about how to do that in the age-appropriate and developmentally-appropriate way. That's good. But, yes, I'm planning on filling in the gaps that other books have left out so that that's a good I way can hopefully it. try to imprint it. Yes. I mean, we've got some good books out there, but what I specifically want to write is the kind of book I would have needed that would have allowed me to recognize what she was doing sooner and to give me the words to say to someone what was going on and how I felt. Good for you. Good for you. Because that goes all the way back to you weren't quite sure what was happening. And that happens mm-hmm. so often with children because they don't know exactly what's happening. They just know that they don't like it, okay? And it's exactly. maybe, maybe they even know that it's wrong, you know? Um, but maybe they're not know, knowing that it's wrong because, after all, this is how I show you that I love you. There's all kinds of things that they do, you know, to twist a kid's head. We know this. Absolutely. We're survivors. We're survivors. So I'm yes. going to give you the stand here. Yeah, because now it's um, well, 9.36, so I'm six minutes, seven minutes off. What we do is we give uh, a, a last few minutes, actually, you know, to our guests, 
and uh, to maybe you have a, a, something of hope or instruction to give people because you're a teacher and you're a farmer and you have your PhD and everything. That's wonderful. So and you're writing books. Oh, I just like this so much. But anyway, uh, yeah. So um, maybe you can give people some advice. You know, as parents, what are however which way you want to word it. Go ahead. Um, words of advice for parents is build those relationships with your children. Listen to them when they're telling you anything. Listen with your whole heart. It may not seem big to you, but everything they're sharing is big to them. And if you don't listen to those things that you think are small, they're not going to come to you with the bigger things. This is for all caregivers, for teachers, for everyone. Listen to those kids and let them know you are listening. Get down on their level. Give them your attention. Right. They need that. Absolutely. And they need to know that you're, you hear them. Right. And you will believe them. Okay. Absolutely. Um, that show, yes, that show that I think it's 99%, 99.2% now, kids are not lying. When they say something like, like that has happened, they're not lying. Okay. They're exactly. Believe them. So we had a wonderful and show tonight. Thank well, you. I've got to talk because um, I got the 90-second cue. Now we're going down to 60-second. Okay. And there it goes. All right. So um, please do come on again. Feel free anytime, Monday Thank through you. Friday, you know you know what time, you know, you can come on and what your time zone is and everything. And uh, we had a, a really, really good show tonight. Thank you so much. You gave out Thank all you. kinds of information. You told your story very well, and we're all very proud of you. Okay. Thank you so, so much. I have to say good night now. So good night, okay. everybody that was on. I thank you. Thank you, Lori. You know, thank you, Philip, and uh, thank you, Bill, and uh, whoever else is listening out there. She was a good guest, and you know it. Oh yeah, she was. And um, everybody have a good weekend. We'll be back again on Monday. Good night and God bless. After all that you've done